Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had to do it again. No intro, no music. We're going to try to do it right this time. The first hashtag Saints Twitter pod went, it went into the ether. Um, but Scott, we have Scott Wright from Draft Countdown back. Um, I'm joined also with Ryan Hilton on Twitter. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at ThatBoyWoof. Um, you can follow Scott on Twitter at draft countdown um guys we're we're two days away from from the draft and it's as a saints fan i'm kind of getting nervous in terms of what type of shenanigans they may pull in in two days uh but we brought scott back on the pod to talk anything regarding the saints draft we're gonna you know talk to her you know as long as as long as we can um and just to, to clarify, because I know there's some confusion going on with, with this pod. So for my purposes, this is going to be like a limited mini series in terms of podcast for me. If Ryan afterwards wants to make it a thing, uh, I will allow him to flourish um, in terms of being the host. I, I'm just doing a, lim- a limited mini series, special guest appearance for a couple of episodes, and then and then I'm out. I'm go go back and retire, but. You know, it, it, it's draft time, and the draft is always exciting. The draft's always been an exciting time, and and my baby. So, um, let's just let's just get into it. Um, so, our second episode, but first episode that was posted, we were able to speak with Tony Pauline of the Pro, of the Pro Football Network last week, um, and he was essentially really hammering home um, that he, you know with people he's talked to feel that, you know, the Saints are looking at right receiver at 24 and potentially Jordan Love as well. Um, on that pod, he had mentioned Denzel Mims and Justin Jefferson. And then, what, two days ago, yesterday, every, all the days blend in, um, he reported that potentially the Saints may also be interested in drafting Jalen Rager, a right receiver to you. So, Scott, we'll, we'll start in terms of how do you rank these players and just 
as for, for Saints fans that are listening, like how would you break their games down in terms of, of them being players? I don't think Justin Jefferson is going to make it that far. Uh, I think his absolute floor is the Eagles at 21. And I think there's two, three teams that, that could even uh, grab him in the, the middle of the first round. So I don't think he's going to be an option. Uh, I think Denzel Mims will probably be there, although th- there's another guy that, you know, if you're looking for crazy things to happen, he could come off the board earlier than expected. So I think he'd be an option, but, you know, I'm working on my final mock draft right now. And uh, for the Saints, and I mean, there's a really good chance that Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State, is going to be there. And we've talked in the past how you legitimately think, no doubt in your mind, that the Saints were going to go after Patrick Mahomes. They just kind of got outmaneuvered by the Chiefs for him. Uh, so now here we are again, uh, a few years later. Uh, this is, I mean, could very well be the very last year of Drew Brees, right? I mean, he literally has his next job lined up. Uh, so are they thinking about the future? Do they have the appetite to use the most valuable asset they have left to to build for the future? A guy who's not, hopefully not going to get on the field much? Uh, or are they going to try to load up right now and, and help Breeze as much as they can and let's try to get one last Super Bowl here? So I think that's a $64,000 question with the Saints, and I guess I'd be interested to hear your take on it. Jordan Love sitting there at uh, 24. Did the Saints take him? I'll, I'll let Ryan answer that one first. I think they do. I think they will take them. Uh, th- I'm almost like, I'm like 90% sure if Jordan Love is there and say there's been a decent run on the wide receivers, like say, for example, if Judy, you know, Lamb, obviously, Ruggs, Jefferson, if they're gone, I think without hesitation, they take Love. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll go for any of the two linebackers. I think Love is is the guy. We've heard uh, heard Michael Lombardi on his podcast this week. He was pretty adamant that the Saints are doing a lot of work, a lot of legwork on Love. A lot of interviews, trying to get all the uh, you know, trying to do all get all the homework and dot all the eyes and t's, uh, cross all the t's on the guy. Uh, and you know, when you watch him, you know you. You do come away with some question marks, but man, I mean, they're, they're like three or four throws every game. Where it's like, oof, like you could see it. And every I know Sean, every, every game, game. And I know, I know Sean Payton will look at that as like, I could work with that. I could give me a year or two sitting behind Drew Brees, you know, studying. You got a loaded roster already. Just give me a year or two. I could do something with that. And I was tweeting earlier today, just kind of, you know, just kind of thinking, even though I, I don't think he's like a similar prospect, obviously, I think Stafford was a much better prospect coming out. But I think I was wondering, like, if he had like a Stafford type of quarterback career, whereas, you know, kind of like a 90-ish quarterback rating, a bunch of yards, touchdowns, you know, never really reaches the super elite level, but is a good, nice top 10-ish quarterback. You know, would you would Saints fans feel good about that? picking at 24 and I mean most of the responses I got were like hell yeah I'll take that you know you know I'll take that for 10 years you know and I agree like if you it's unlikely you'll get like you know a a elite hall of fame quarterback you know but if you could get a top 10-ish quarterback for 10 years or so 10 plus years I say it's a hell of a good pick you know 
Well, and, and I know they want to get another weapon for Drew Brees, but if they do go quarterback in the first round, obviously they don't have that second round pick, uh, and it was spent very wisely to to get Eric McCoy. But then in the third round, I promise there's going to be a really good wide receiver available at number 88 overall. Um, and, and so I, I think that's something the Saints have to consider. And yes, that's a need, but it's not nearly as pressing as it was before they signed Emmanuel Sanders. And And I think the guy they could get at number 88 is going to be very capable of coming in and giving them what they need. So, so, you know, they could kind of have their cake and eat it too. Uh, and uh, because like, as I said, I think there's a really good chance Jordan Love is there. And that's the direction I'm leaning on going in my final mock draft, partly because I think it makes sense. And partly because I'm trying to fit Jordan Love in here somewhere. And that's the spot that makes the most sense. But man, this draft's going to be crazy guys. I've been doing this for over 20 years and, um, this is as uncertain of a draft as I can remember uh, for, for a lot of reasons with the situation in the world. And, and partly, too, I think there's less information out there. Usually that month, month and a half leading up to the draft, you have all these NFL personnel out on the road uh, collecting information, gossiping amongst each other, and stuff starts to leak out. Oh, this team likes this player. This team doesn't like this player. They're looking to address this position. We just don't have that this year. So, I mean – working on this last mock draft, like every team I've got it down to, well, it's either this player or that player. It's either this position or that position, but it's kind of a coin flip. And then of course, once you start throwing trades into the mix, and I think there's going to be a handful of deals, not necessarily at the top of the draft, but I think uh, back into the top 10 and into the teens, I think that's where we're going to see a lot of movement. Um, I, I don't know if anybody's going to have a really good feel for this draft and Whoever wins the Huddle Report mock draft contest this year, I want to interview them afterwards and figure out how their uh, mind worked to to figure this out. Um, I will go. So I have just I have this this suspicion that I feel like it's just going to be another year where I just have this suspicion that as Jordan Love potentially starts to fall, I get this sense that like John Gruden's going to end his fall at like 19, and it's just another year where a team like a quarterback potentially is falling right into the Saints lap. Um, Patrick Mahomes, they passed on Deshaun Watson, they passed on Lamar Jackson, and then like a team drafts like that guy ahead of them. Um we'll we'll see. Um some so can I just throw into I and I don't know. I mean we've been saying this for two years now at least about the Gruden taking a quarterback, but so far he's kind of resisted that urge early in the draft. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily rule it out, but I've always heard them link to Jalen Hurts, and they have three picks, I think, on day two. So I kind of think uh, they might go that route. Um, but but I think the scenario you have to wor- worry about if you're a Saints fan hoping Jordan Loves drops you is the Dolphins not taking a quarterback at number five. Maybe they uh, see have mm-hmm. a higher grade on someone else, and then they use uh, some of those trade assets they have not only this year, but next year they have extra early-round picks as well. And then maybe they move up from number 18 to, to go get Jordan Love uh, just outside the top 10. So, so that's something to keep an eye on, too. I think if Jordan Love is not there, that's probably the most likely scenario. Where, so, I, so when Tony brought up the possibility of them drafting Jalen Rager from TCU, I had watched Rager early in the draft process, and I went in expecting, I guess, to be in awe, and I left kind of being – like overall just meh um and then I rewatched him like over the last uh, last night and I guess just what is your like assessment of him as a player because I felt like every time I watched him I came 
around like I felt like I was missing something. Really high level athlete. I mean, his dad played in the NFL, just a, a really athletic, compact build, uh, four four speed. Uh, and, and and you're right, the tape is uh, underwhelming for as talented he is as he is. But I think you also have to factor in the the terrible job they did of getting him the ball. Um, they did not have good quarterback play, and they definitely didn't maximize uh, him and use him to the fullest of his abilities. So, uh, and, and that's another guy too. I've actually heard linked to the Raiders. Uh, I, I think he could kind of be the plan B for teams that that like Henry Ruggs the third, but don't get him. And you're looking for that explosive big play guy. I, I think he could kind of be that plan B. So, so that's something to keep in mind. And I'm kind of working on uh, this final mock draft here. And I think I penciled him into the Jets at number 48. So perfect example. I think the wide receiver the Jets kind of like is Henry Ruggs. At least that's a guy they've been linked to. But if they go with the blocker in round one, uh, maybe they go and get the, the poor man's uh, Henry Ruggs there at 48. So that would be a good situation too for, you know, we could have talked about what a great situation the Saints would be for Jordan Love because he'd have that year to sit and learn behind uh, Drew Brees and get his feet wet, which I think he desperately needs, maybe more so than other top quarterback prospects. Uh, and then Jalen Rieger, that would be a great fit for the Saints as well because he wouldn't be expected to come in and be that number one receiver right away or even number two. They can kind of just get his feet wet, uh, put him in situations where he can be successful and and utilize the, the, those those rare physical tools. So uh, I think he'd be a really good fit for the Saints if they could find a way to maneuver for him. And it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I've heard everything from, you know, maybe to the, the back half of round one. And it's the type of thing where if he's there in round three, would I fall off my chair? No, probably not. Uh, you're going to get receivers later this year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But you're definitely betting on the upside there more so than what you've seen. He's not a finished product. Hey Scott, um, I didn't. I haven't watched a lot of running backs this year, uh, because I kind of felt like, okay, the Saints are, you know, the Saints are pretty good in that area, and and uh, I mean, I watched some of Jonathan Taylor. I heard, you know, the Saints were kind of linked to him, you know, and I liked him. But uh, are there any other running backs, kind of undervalued mid-range, day two, day three, that are similar to Kamara? Because I mean, I don't know if you know, Kamara is in his uh, last year of his rookie year. And uh, as we saw, uh, C-Mac uh, McCaffrey, the uh, Carolina Panthers just gave him a big deal, $16 million a year. And obviously Kamara is looking like, okay, my day is coming. You know, and we have a lot. Like the Saints have a ton of big contracts coming up. Lattimore, Ramchek, uh, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Williams. I mean, just big contracts coming up. And, you know, they've been, you know, in the, in the past, they've been willing to kind of move their resources around if they feel they could replace a talent. You know, you know, Sean Payton, he really believes like, more than most positions, like running back and wide receiver, he feels like he could find a guy to replace you. You know, so uh, I don't think they will trade Kamara. Like there's been some rumors this past week that, you know, they're going to try to trade Kamara. I don't see that happening. But I wouldn't be blown away if they took a running back uh, in a day two or day three this year as a kind of a change of pace back. Uh, so are there any guys you've been looking at that's kind of like a change of pace, maybe not a number one running back, but, you know, a third down passing, uh, pass catching back that can do some work out in the flats? 
Yeah, if I was an NFL general manager, two of my commandments would be thou shalt not take a running back in the first round and thou shalt not give a running back a second contract. Um, I just believe that uh, it's a replacement position that you can address in the draft. And uh, so the Saints have a big decision to make on Kamara. Uh, I think it's probably clear which uh, camp I'm in. I'd be looking for that replacement and give you a few names that are going to come off the board and say that round three through five range. Uh, maybe the most intriguing running back prospect in this entire draft is Antonio Gibson from Memphis, um, who actually played wide receiver this past year until late in the season. And then during the pre-draft process, starting the senior bowl, he made the move to running back and looked really natural. Big time. I mean, this is like a Cordero Patterson type of, of body and athlete. He's a, a six oh. foot and a half, 230 pounds, runs a four, three, nine. Raw as the day is long, but man, the type of guy that you get the ball in his hands, just let him go. So um, maybe he sneaks into the top 100. Worst case, he's not getting out of the fourth round, but uh, man, his best football is still ahead of him. Uh, Then you have Darrington Evans from Appalachian State, who's undersized. Um, He's only 203 pounds, but really fast and explosive. 4-4-1 at the Combine. Tons of big plays on tape. Uh, seems like every other play when you watch him, he's breaking one off for 60 yards here, 80 yards there. Um, and, and he's going to be there somewhere in that, I think, probably third to fourth round range. Uh, and then a little later, uh, maybe re- late round, uh, maybe in round five, even round six. So late mid rounds, early late rounds. Uh, Anthony McFarland uh, Jr. from Maryland. Another guy, not great size. Um, not necessarily – He's short, not necessarily small. He's only 5'8", but he's 208 pounds, so he's, he's relatively thick. Another guy with speed, he ran a 4'4'4". Four, four, four. Uh, so, so those are some, some of the names I'd be looking at. Uh, uh, a sleeper I like on day three is Javon Leak from Maryland, who only ran a 4'6'5 at the Combine, uh, which is not indicative of the way he plays. Um, reminded me on film a little bit of a Latavius Murray type of player. He's also a really good return man, so uh, he's a guy that can be had on day three. Uh, and then the last player I'll mention, a guy who's probably going to go undrafted, uh, is Patrick Taylor Jr. from Memphis. He was going to have a breakout season. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt. It, that lingered, um, and it's affected him during the pre-draft process as well. But uh, watching him last summer, I kind of got a, a poor man's Le'Veon Bell type of a feel from him. So, so yeah, as always, there's running backs available, but uh, those are some of the names I guess I'd keep an eye on if I were in the market for one. Nice. Um, so something that we talked about in this in the last episode were were if the Saints didn't address linebacker in and round in round one at twenty four, like who you know were some of the linebackers in later rounds that they could they could potentially select. And the name that you brought up um, was Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. That's Grinbrook, right? Um, so in, I want to believe, I want to say it was Albert Beer's Monday morning quarterback column on Monday. He basically reported that the Jordan Brooks was getting a lot of love, like a lot of potential late first round buzz and even potentially linked him to the Saints. I don't know if that was more of a, he's hearing that, he's hearing that Brooks is linked to the Saints or like there's a need for linebacker. And so it makes sense. So I read that and I was absolutely floored by that because when I watched Jordan Brooks, like the talent is obviously there, but he is so incredibly raw and and inconsistent. Like when I saw him, I was like, okay, he has potential, but he's easily like a round three, round four type of guy. 
like so in that along that that line do you where do you view him as a prospect and where do you view his range yeah he was one of the guys i was disappointed not to see at the senior bowl he got hurt and wasn't able to participate so he's been kind of hindered by an injury here the past few months as well but uh, he's six feet 240 uh, really fast explosive athletic and yeah you're right I mean there's some chatter here leading up to the draft that he could sneak into the latter part of round one I, I don't quite see that but uh, I am going to the uh the Denver Broncos at number 46 overall in my final mock draft so yeah he's gonna go early it's pretty rarefied air for an inside linebacker to go that early but he's that that modern day fit and that he's not that 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 thumper 20 years ago who only played downhill he can play in reverse he's got really good range so um a, a guy who the, the people uh, has a lot of fans around the league so yeah I, I I'd be surprised because I think if the Saints want to go linebacker I think it's a really good bet that at least one of Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen's going to be there if not both of them so I think if they want to go linebacker they're going to have better options but uh but yeah, Brooks definitely is a guy who has some buzz right now. Hey, Scott, I remember back in the day, you guys would have on your podcast. Uh, I cannot remember his name, but he would do like, uh, like a player rankings of all small school prospects. Yeah, Josh and, Buchanan. Yeah, yeah, Josh Buchanan. I used to love that because you know the Saints they usually they usually like the target, especially like in day three target a few uh you know uh players with you know hot, nice athletic profiles that are small school guys or guys that kind of fell through the cracks so usually there will be one or two players on that list that the saints will wind up taking and i always love looking at his list uh any guys like that kind of under the radar prospects that kind of fell through the cracks didn't maybe didn't go to the combine or maybe they got you know suspended or whatever and went to a small school that you know that we could be looking at in the day three. It really doesn't matter the position. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, you can check out Josh's uh, small school rankings on my website. I, I got him posted there as top 100 small school prospects. And this is a really uh, good crop of small school prospects. In fact, in all my years going down to the senior bowl, every year there's kind of like a storyline. And for me this year, it was the small school guys showing out. I mean, every one of them down there in Mobile really proved that they belonged. Uh, uh, leading the way, uh, I think, is uh, Jeremy Chin, uh, the, the safety from Southern Illinois, who I think is going to go in the second round. Uh, not far behind him, Kyle Duggar, uh, two really athletic, uh, versatile uh, playmakers in the secondary. Uh, you got Adam Troutman from Dayton. But uh, a guy to keep an eye on from a Saints perspective, I mentioned how there's going to be a good receiver available towards the end of round three. Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island. Uh, the, Round three is the high end of his range, but I don't know that he's going to make it out of round four. And uh, just a really a smooth athlete, good size, 4'4 speed, uh, rough around the edges. He's going to require a little development, but, boy, he's got a huge, huge upside. So from a Saints perspective, I definitely think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, and for offensive line, too, Ben Barch, uh, the offensive lineman out of St. John's in Minnesota here in my backyard, uh, a guy I was on really early. Uh, he really uh, – proved himself down at the senior bowl and he's probably going to be a second or a third round pick which is rarefied air for a division three prospect and you know and there's gonna be some good players in late rounds too I think when I went through and did my scouting combine snubs I ranked the uh, and for one of them I just had to go with small school pass rushers because there were three or four guys who weren't invited that that I thought should have been ranging from Jonah Williams from Weber State uh, Rondell Carter from James Madison so 
Uh, it's a good crop of small school players, but the name I, I guess I'd uh, he's, I, I'd keep an eye on is Isaiah Coulter. Um, he might go a little earlier than expected, and uh, he's not going to be the first small school player off the board, but a guy who has a lot of fans. Sweet. Um, I feel like we're gonna we're, we're beating the dead horse talking about this guy a lot, but I, I think in terms of speaking about Jordan Love. Um, I guess the, the question I have that we both have for you is just what do you feel his ceiling is? Um, I know me and you have talked kind of offline through text message. And this is very, this is earlier in the process when I just started kind of watching him. Um, and like we said, in, like I said in the last episode, I came in watching Jordan Love, not seeing any of his 2018. Um, I only saw his 2019. Um, and everyone kind of harps on how bad his 2019 was. And I just didn't, I don't feel it was as bad as people make it out to be. And the, just the impression that I got from him as a prospect, it's kind of like Ryan said, there are traits that he has that as a Saints fan and knowing Sean Payton, I know his eyes just light up when he sees them. Um, and the most accurate kind of description I've used is, the plays that Patrick Mahomes made when I watched him at Texas Tech and he had me, you know, being in awe 90% of all of his games, Jordan Love, you know, is like 30% or 40% as Patrick Mahomes was like 90, 95%. Um, so I, in no way am I, I, am I comparing them as prospects, but just in general, where do you think his ceiling and potentially what his floor could be? You know, that's a really good question because, I, you know, I've always referred to Patrick Mahomes, too. We've talked about how that's unfair, but, but there are those, those flashes of brilliance from him. But, but what is a, a more realistic comparison? Because, um, uh, you know, everyone agrees Patrick Mahomes is, um, is kind of in a, a class of his own. What would be a realistic comparison? And it's tough. I, I'm trying to, I mean, would Matthew Stafford, I mean, is that a good comparison? Maybe not quite as strong of an arm, but just kind of that natural arm talent, uh, maybe a Derek Carr. Is, is that a good comparison? I don't know. It, it's, it's tough. I, I'm not exactly sure. Who do you think? What is the, uh, the, the non-Patrick Mahomes comparison? What did you come up with, either of you guys? So I, I didn't come up with this. This, is from, this, came, this was from at Darth Saint. The, one of the, Passing the buck. Uh, no, no, I'm not, because I, because I, I, I think it's a very good comparison. Is and ever since he said it, it stuck with me ever since. But he said Jay Cutler, and there you go, yeah. I, I, I was like, I could see, I could see a lot of the Jay Cutler comparison, and the good the, and the bad, the good and the bad, hundred percent. And I think that if you take that comparison, and not saying that Jay Cutler didn't get good coaching because he had Mike Shanahan for a lot of his early his early career but if you put someone like Jordan Love that has similar qualities to Jay Cutler and they're with the Sean Payton I think I just at that point you just trust the coaching and just kind of just hope for the best well for the record I I'm going with Jordan Love for the Saints my final mock draft and uh, I'm going to blame both you guys if it doesn't work <laughs> out for me so it's on you now <laughs> You talked me into it. <laughs> well, I mean, my last question, uh, this, I mean, I've looked, I didn't do a deep dive into the pass rushers on this, in this uh, year's draft, but just, you know, 
looking around, it doesn't seem to be a, you know, one of the better classes. Uh, so do you, uh, yeah, I mean, are there any kind of sneaky situ? I remember uh, a couple of years ago, you DM me. It was like, hey, check out this this kid. Uh, I don't even. I can't even pronounce his name anymore. Uh, Al Qadis Muhammad. Uh, we dra- yeah, yeah, Al Qadis Muhammad. Yep. Yeah, Al Qadis Muhammad. Yeah, Miami. He's like, hey, just check this guy out, you know. And the Saints wind up. Adam, did we draft him or was he undrafted? I can't remember. We drafted him. We drafted him and then we cut yeah. him. But he's he's a he's a rotational starter for the Colts now. For the like Colts, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's like a solid player. But um, are there any guys like that that kind of, you know, fell through the cracks, maybe got suspended or kind of didn't get much development, but you see that athletic potential coming through any sneaky situational pass rushes that could kind of be developed and turned into something down the line? Yeah, it's not a great year for pass rushers. And that's not to say they're not out there, but you definitely got to dig a little deeper and really dig for them and, and to find them. So and ironically, two of the most talented are probably going to fall a little bit because of uh, other factors, whether it be a medical, mostly medical. And that's Charles Lewis from Alabama and Julian Acquara from Notre Dame. I mean, on paper and, and physically, they look like first round picks. You can even make a case top half of the first round picks, but I could, wouldn't be shocked to see them still available late round three, maybe even round four because of uh, uh, medical. So those are two guys who are getting pushed down to, to that, that could be had a value points. Um, but, yeah, it's not a great year. The one guy who oh, I'm really intrigued by, who I think is going to end up being a steal, if there's going to be a Max Crosby in this class, who a guy that goes late day two, early day three, who ends up uh, being a steal, Alex Highsmith from Charlotte. I really like this guy. He was a walk-on in college. Uh, he's just earned it every step of the way. Has a motor that does not stop. Um, he's undersized, but really fast. Um, uh, so I really like Alex Highsmith. If I'm looking for a pass rusher, that's a guy that I'm targeting in that round three to five range. Uh, a guy who's going to go earlier, I think, than people expect is Travis Gibson from Tulsa, who was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think he's going to be probably a third or a fourth round pick. Uh, another pass rusher I really like, and he's not a high, he's not like a really toolsy high upside guy, is Kenny Wilkes from Michigan State. I went into the Senior Bowl predisposed not to be a big fan. I thought, oh, he's this tryhard overachiever. He racks up these big numbers in college, but that's not going to translate at the next level. All the dude did was make plays down at the senior bowl. Um, it, it, every time I turned my head, he was, he was pressuring the quarterback. So uh, he, he turned me around in a big way. Uh, on day three, though, there's going to be some intriguing guys. Maybe Jonathan Garvin from Miami, uh, who came out as an underclassman. DJ Wanham from South Carolina, who's kind of that classic tweener. Looks the part. Uh, it's just the results are lacking. Uh, Chauncey Rivers from Mississippi State, I think, is going to be a, a day three pick. So, so there's some options out there, but uh, but yeah, um, this is not a great year to be looking for pass rushers, whether it's in the early rounds, uh, really to the middle rounds and late rounds. There just are very few guys in this class that you look at and say, I, I consider him to to be have double digit sack potential. This just isn't the class for that, which is part of the reason why you're going to see, uh, I think, Kalevon Chasen from LSU probably get pushed up the board. Or earlier than he should, just because uh, he's one of a small handful that you look at and say, "Yeah, that guy could lead the league in sacks." Maybe. So I have, I have two more um, before we let you go and get out of here. So we, we've been talking about, you know, this upcoming draft, but I'm going to ask you a question in terms of there was a player that the Saints drafted last year, Caden um, Ellis from Idaho, that 
before he got injured, there was potentially talks of him was he would potentially be able to take over for um, AJ Klein's spot in the base defense. Um, had, was making a lot of plays in training camp, and you know he was a later round pick. What was he seemed to be coming on pretty pretty early. Um, where were you, you know, from last year? What were you, were your scouting on Caton Ellis as a as a player um, at Idaho? Yeah, well, first of all, he's a guy that makes me feel old because I remember watching the draft when his dad was uh, was chosen. Luther Ellis was a first round pick back in the day, so so definitely one of those guys who who makes me feel old. Uh, I think that was like 1995, mid 90s. So it's one of the first years I really started getting into the draft. Um, you know, kind of kind of the tweener size wise, uh, and, and kind of a, a little bit of an overachiever. Um, more so than a, a toolsy, pure speed and athleticism guy. So uh, I kind of profile him as, as a backup special teamer. Um, so, uh, but it's not like you said, it sounds like he was outperforming those expectations. And a guy who really impressed, I can't remember which all-star game he was at, but I'm pretty sure he was at one of the all-star games and opened some eyes there as well. So uh, yeah, definitely a guy that it looks like they, they, they might've found a, a, a value in. And, and this year too, I think that's the other thing to mention about this draft free agency i mean the guys there's gonna be a lot of good players going drafted probably a couple dozen receivers are going to go and draft that would be selected most years uh, and that's gonna go for other positions as well um so there's gonna be i think there's gonna be more value and more talent to be found in priority free agency this year than any year probably in, in my lifetime and then the the last one that i i have is so i want to give you credit because you're you're the really the kind of the first person that that had talked to me about this maybe like like a month ago or what have you is that you me and you were just talking and you kind of said like don't be surprised potentially like if the saints and Jameis winston um you know kind of became like the new teddy bridgewater like potentially him signing with the saints and then after me and you had that conversation i like i literally were was seeing it everywhere by like anytime Jameis winston was being mentioned the Saints were always kind of potentially like in that mix of teams. Um, so with that said, have you heard anything potentially of, is that potentially more from the Saints side of wanting Winston or is it more from Winston's camp? And then, you know, so let's say Jordan Love, like let's say in theory, instead of drafting a quarterback at 24, whether that be Jordan Love or whoever, and, and having that your quarterback for the future, could you make an argument that potentially – I know he comes with a lot of baggage and I know the interceptions, but could you potentially make a case of initially trying to have another reclamation project in, in Jameis Winston and potentially using those assets at 24 to address another position? Yeah, I think the teams and some of these free agent quarterbacks are kind of just in a holding pattern right now, whether it's Winston or Cam Newton or uh, really, I mean, even Andy Dalton's waiting to get traded. Um, uh, I, I think everyone's kind of waiting for the draft to see how that plays out. And then they're going to reassess afterwards. And I think for Winston, I think the first thing he's got to do is figure out whether there's a starting job for him out there. Uh, if, if there's not anybody that's, that's telling him, Hey, hey we want you to come in and be our starter. I think the saints is, are a, a tremendous situation. I would love, love, love that for both player and team. I'm still a believer in Jameis Winston. I might be going down with the ship. I might be singing a different tune in a year or two. Uh, but I still believe in him. And if anybody could get him right, it would be Sean Payton. And what a, a natural succession plan that would be. So 
Um, I, I think that would be a, a great move for the Saints if they could get him. But I think right now he's kind of just going to wait, see how the draft plays out. And, you know, see, I, I've heard the Patriots are linked to Jameis Winston as well, and they certainly have a room to upgrade at their starting quarterback. But, um, but I, if there isn't a starting job for Jameis out there with a place like the Patriots or maybe the Jaguars, which I'm not sure there is, I think the Saints are awfully uh, enticing um, home, especially considering – what they just did with Teddy Bridgewater. It's like one of those things when, when colleges recruit players, they go and say, Hey, look how many guys at your position we put in the NFL. They can go to Jameis Winston and, and, and tell them all about Teddy Bridgewater and get Teddy Bridgewater to put in a word. And um, you know, they have a pretty strong case. I mean, just cut the interceptions down, man. Like it just in half, like 15 interceptions, 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. If he had that this year, like he, he would have been getting Dak Prescott money probably, you know? And, you know, I mean, it, it's nothing new. I mean, it's, it goes back to college days. That was the yeah. on him in college too. And, uh, I, I, you know, everyone kind of jokes about him getting LASIK surgery, but as someone oh. who's had LASIK, I'm kind of interested Dude. to see how that impacts his play. Maybe it won't at all, but, I mean, I have to think there's at least a chance that will be uh, somewhat of a factor. And like you said, if, if that cuts it down by 25%, that might be enough because – you know, even with all the interceptions, he's still been relatively effective. So uh, I like Jameis Winston, and he's still, what, 26 years old? Yeah, and look, I tweeted, that was like, uh, I think it was like November or December of last season when he was on that pick six run. And I was like, maybe he just needs context. I, mean, I just, because it just made no sense. I mean, he's obviously super talented, and some of the interceptions he throws, it's like, maybe he just doesn't see the guy. <laughs> like, maybe he's just not seeing him. So yeah, and he, I mean, we when, can't blame it all on, on the LASIK, obviously. No, I mean, no, no. Th- th- he's, he's an aggressive player, but, uh, but aggressive. for me, as a football fan, I'd rather have a quarterback that takes one, a, a little extra risk than a guy who's going to check it down 80% of the time. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it, the, the average depth of target for all the pass catchers, for all the wide receivers on that offense – was over 10 yards. Like, no other quarterback had that, you know, in the NFL. Like, everything is downfield. So, obviously, that's going to come with risk. But, I mean, yeah, if you could just cut those down, I mean, I mean, he's a franchise quarterback if he does that. Other than that, you know, that's the only thing really holding him back. Other than that, he's just a goofball. <laughs> he's like three years older than Joe Burrow. That's insane. <laughs> that's crazy. That's nuts. That's and, he's, nuts. and he's been in the league five five years? Five years now, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, his rookie contract just expired. Yeah, I guess that's right. Um, Scott, we've we've done it again. Um, so, if if you're a Saints fan, you heard it from Scott himself. Me and Ryan did not talk him into this, but he's <laughs> he's gonna have Jordan Love uh, from Utah State be be the pick in the final mock draft. So, Scott, can you just tell the fans where they can access your final mock draft and even potentially where a place where they can be ready for next year's mock draft? Yeah, absolutely. Draftcountdown.com. I'll have the final mock draft up on Thursday morning, the day of the draft. Um, as we said, I'm going with Jordan Love. I, I haven't figured out the third round pick yet, though. At number 88, there's probably going to be a receiver. We'll we'll see which one. So check back Thursday to find out which way I go there. And something I'm doing this year for the first time, I'm putting up the Monday after the draft. So the Monday after the 2020 NFL draft is over, I'm putting up my mock draft for the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's never too early to look ahead. So, so check that out the Monday after 
Right now, I've got the final rankings up on the website. Over 1,000 players ranked by position, heights, weights, 40s, uh, top 400 overall. So uh, lots of fun stuff. And then during the draft, I'll be doing analysis of all the picks. And, uh, um, yeah, there's lots of fun stuff. It, it, it's that time. We're in the final stretch run. Um, so go give Scott work a, a check. Check it out, uh, draftcountdown.com. If it, if it honestly, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, wasn't for your website, I would never have become like a draft Nick. And, you know, like I said, that was what years ago, almost 16, 17 years ago in terms of being on the forums. And since then I've, I've been unfortunately <laughs> addicted um, to the NFL draft every year. Although as I've gotten older, it's, it's, it's just harder to, to be as, as in tune with it. But um you know, you're a pillar of the draft community. Um, our plan, hopefully, is that we'll do a, in terms of my kind of, my closing for farewell and my curtain call, do a, a post-Saints draft recap after the draft um, when all the picks are made at some point sometime next week and do like a post-recap of all the picks, what your thoughts were, the players that they picked and things like that. I'm closing out the, at least my part of hashtag Saints, Saints, Saints Twitter podcast. I'd love to. Uh, I love reviewing the draft. So much focus is on, uh, on trying to figure out what teams will do. We don't pay enough attention to what they actually did do. So uh, I love breaking down pick by pick. And uh, the Saints are going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be fun to, to circle around on this and, and see what they actually did. No, just no, no draft grades. Because I think that that's utterly <laughs> ridiculous. That's that's the one well, rule. I I agree, but I, I the way I grade drafts is I factor in two two things. One, did they get good value for their draft pick? Did they take the player in about the range that they're supposed to be taken? <laughs> and I'm pretty lenient on that, or it's more so over the years. And second, did they address a need? So those are my two factors when well, I give out the grades. Uh, and of well, course, like you said, the proofs in the pudding three, four, five years down the line, but. That's how I grade initially, at least. Well, Scott, I can guarantee you there will be two or three picks, and you will hate the value that the Saints get. <laughs> every year, every year they, they will trade up at some point in this draft. I can promise you that. It's a guarantee they will trade up at some point, and they will take a player that you probably thought would have gone a little later. It just happens every year. And I think we're going to see a lot of that type stuff this year. I think we're going to see six, seventh rounders going in the fourth round and uh, vice versa. I think part of it's going to be because I alluding to what I said, teams aren't on the road. They're not chatting amongst each other as much. And they just don't have a, as good of a feel for the landscape as they usually do, do. And they might think they have to take players earlier than they need to. So I'm looking for quite a few of those situations this year where a guy goes multiple rounds earlier than he's expected to. Cool. Well, I don't want to hold you up, man. I really appreciate you coming on and doing a redo with us. <laughs> well, my again. pleasure. Anytime. I love talking, guys. Thanks again, Scott. And then we'll we'll see what unfolds on Thursday and the following days, and we'll just go from there. So follow Scott's work um, at draftcountdown.com. Again, you can follow Scott on Twitter at draftcountdown. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at thatboywoof. And then don't don't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> just just don't um so with that we're <laughs> we're out uh we'll be back at least once to do a, a post a post show or a post draft show and until then we'll, we'll see what happens in the draft and, and we're out peace 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.